You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the POV podcast. I'm Al Ferdows from Astro Radio News, and we're here to listen to Datuk Sri Nazir Razak's point of view of how we can become a better Malaysia. How are you, Datuk? Good, Al. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming here with us. Okay, so let's get into it. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the course and the structure of Malaysia in terms of both economy and healthcare. How do you think Malaysia will fare moving into the future in terms of our preparedness? Well, I think we've learned some very hard lessons. But, uh, you know, I question whether uh, we will make good use of those lessons. I think quite clearly... Uh, Malaysia suffered more from the pandemic than it ought to have uh, because of the politics at that time. And I always say that, you know, just like the virus on human beings, uh, the virus uh, hurt us more because we went in with pre-existing conditions. All right. So wouldn't you say that the pandemic, yes, it was tragic and it was, it's horrible, obviously, but I think it gave Malaysia a bit of an opportunity to better itself in terms of both economically and in healthcare. What will your thoughts be on that? Well, you know, with crisis comes opportunity for sure. Um, but will we take them? Mm. Yeah, that is the fundamental question. Will we take them? And do we have in place what it takes, the people that it takes to, you know, take advantage of this opportunity? So... Malaysia declared independence from the British in 1957. Here we are over six decades later. In your opinion, what does it take for the people and leaders of our country to develop a mindset for a better and more modern Malaysia? Well, I think, you know, I've thought about it long and hard. You know, I spent, you know, after I retired from CIMB, I spent a year uh, at the School of Government in Oxford thinking about it. And, you know, I feel very strongly, as I articulated in the book, that the only way for us to make substantive change to the system going forward is by setting up a deliberative platform where we can put all the reforms uh, on the table and debate in terms of what is good, what is bad, what needs to be done. The difficulty is when you have this kind of multicultural society and very, very acute identity politics is that every time you want to make a change, it gets wrapped in race and religion. Uh, and then suddenly there's a lot of resistance and then it, you know, the idea fades. And you remember uh, during the Pakatan Harapan government, there was even the signing of the ICERT, uh, which is the International Convention on uh, racism and we couldn't even do that and it's such a benign thing to do you couldn't do that suddenly it became wrapped in this thing that it would be hugely disadvantageous to the Malays and you know we have big problems like you know what do we do long term uh, with the fact that our children don't go to school together right what do we do about vernacular schools what do we do about affirmative action are we always going to give uh, help to uh, the Malays in this form right so reforming vernacular schools reforming affirmative action I think is politically sensitive and it will be wrapped in race and religion but if you put them both on the table maybe you can come up with a compromise right you change you know both at the same time uh, to something that's better uh, for the nation as a whole so Times are changing and the youth are become more involved in advocating for change in Malaysia, especially on social media. So do you think that the youth have what it takes to build a better Malaysia? What needs to happen in order for them to achieve this? Well, I am optimistic. I've seen how 
empowered youth are really taking leadership in Indonesia, where I did a lot of business. And our children were educated similarly. And so I do feel that if given the opportunity, the youth can build a better Malaysia. So um, I'm really encouraged by movements like Ondi 18, Muda and so on. There really is a lot of good people mobilizing the younger generations. And it is important that these moves be encouraged. It's important that we bet on youth in the same way that we used to. I reflect in the book that my father was, you know, Deputy Prime Minister at the age of 35. Tantri Tanamala Singham uh, was the first Chief of the Navy at, I think, 29. Uh, so we used to bet on youth. What happened? Um, and I hope we do that again. From what you just said, like what's happening to the youth, we are no longer betting on them, as you said. Do you think that's also one of the reasons why Malaysia is not as advancing as fast? Do you think there's a perception that the youth at the moment is not worthy to be bet on? Do you think that there's maybe the older generation are not as trustworthy with the youth now? Well, I think it's natural that people want to preserve their own positions. You know, you need to consciously make structural um, requirements for youth to be given the opportunity, right? For instance, um, one of the last things that I was doing before I stepped down from CIMB was to propose that every board has a seat for the youth. Right. I think that could be very powerful because don't forget that gap between generations today is like never before. Right, The gap between me and my son is so different from the gap between me and my father. Right, So how do we connect between generations? How does a board of old men better understand technology and the future? Well, by engaging the youth. So what is so wrong with saying, that, okay, there will always be a rotating seat of someone of the age of 30-ish on every board. I mean, we have this 30% policy for females on boards. Uh, why can't we do this also for youth? It helps them and it also helps the boards. Uh, it's radical. I don't think it's been done anywhere else in the world. Uh, but why should Malaysia only think about what's been done elsewhere? We can do it ourselves. We can innovate. We've innovated before. Uh, we innovated with capital controls in 1998. We innovated with the affirmative action in 1970. Malaysia can take the lead. And this is one way uh, that we can do that. And if we find a way to channel youth, intelligence and energy into our corporations, I think that could really make a big difference. Okay, so in terms of bettering Malaysia, I can't help but asked recently, so the tabling of budget 2022. And it is the biggest allocation in Malaysian history. Uh, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on it as a whole and how it could better Malaysia, especially the main focus, I think, was to help those who were hard hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was a good budget all around. I think it kind of addressed the issue of the most needy as well as the SMEs and the micro SMEs uh, that are really, really struggling. And, you know, obviously budgets are huge documents and, you know, they're never perfect. You know, I think certain things could be debated. I think, you know, maybe some of the efficiency of spending, some of the ways tax revenues are being raised. I could argue with those. Uh, but overall, it was a good budget. Okay, so after the tabling of Budget 2022, there were quite a few organisations such as SMEs. They were quite happy with the allocation that were given to them. But there were some parties who were not as happy. Do you think it will ever be possible for Malaysia to table a budget that's going to make everyone happy? Definitely never. 
because I think if you do a budget and everybody's happy, you're probably not doing your job, right? Budgets are, you know, allocation of finite resources. Some will gain more than others. Uh, that's always the case. And I think, you know, in this budget, I know the stock market took a bit of a beating after the budget. But I think, you know, in the end of the day, people with shares, financial assets actually did pretty well during the pandemic. You know, stock market didn't drop very much. Globally, stock markets did very well. Um, but yet, you know, lots of people lost their jobs. Lots of people really, really suffered. So it's okay that there's a reallocation of resources from big companies to the right yet. It's okay. Do you feel that Malaysia's economy will bounce back soon after, you know, the, the whole pandemic? How soon do you think we can go? Uh, well, I mean, I think there's two parts. I think, you know, in terms of the operating environment in 2022, I think it's going to be much better. I think 2021 uh, and before we suffered from, you know, MCOs as well as difficult external environment generally. I think for our companies to really do well, I think that's a separate question. I think, you know, we really need to look at how we can free our companies from the clutches of too much regulation, too much government. I think that's very important. And we also need to be able to empower entrepreneurs Right to build businesses and we need to make sure that vested interests, large companies don't block these young entrepreneurs from being innovative and growing new companies. Okay, thank you so much for your time. And there you have it, the point of view of Datuk Sri Nazir Raza. Catch you next time on the POV Podcast. 